Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Wednesday, July 8th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. A lot to get to in this episode, including a new sponsor, my doctors. It's Penn Medicine. Flyers Daily podcast is brought to you by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Philadelphia Flyers, only Penn Orthopedics has the reputation, the ingenuity, and the expertise to offer the region's widest array of treatments in every orthopedic specialty, all in a safe and secure environment. The Penn Orthopedics team creates the ideal care plan with options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible, so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine, learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. We're going to get to Ian LaPerriere as Coaches Week continues. My conversation with the Flyers assistant coach who is now 10 years removed from playing. We'll talk about how uh, him being a player that played over a thousand games in the National Hockey League gives him a different element to add to his coaching style. Also, we're now getting some of the latest news on the NHL's return to play, which will be voted on and ratified later this week. Uh, Bob McKenzie from TSN reporting that the plan is to play three games a day in both Hub City locations in Edmonton and Toronto. The uh, timetable template in local times is to schedule those games at noon, 4, and 8 p.m. And uh, there is a two-hour time difference between Edmonton and Toronto. It means basically there's going to be six games. It means there's going to be basically six games a day spread out over a 15-hour window, if not even longer, because you know, we get overtime in the playoffs. It can go on for quite a while, as we learned here in Philadelphia uh, 20 years ago, uh, back in May. Also, the four o'clock game is going to be one of those round-robin games because they can then control the length of that game because the teams in the round-robin, the top four in each conference, which the Flyers are one of, and they'll play against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, and the Washington Capitals for seeding. Uh, those games will be under regular season rules. So you'll get a three-on-three overtime and a shootout if need be. Uh, that way the game just doesn't keep going multiple overtimes, and we'll see how this plays out. We'll see if games get pushed late into the evening. So you're going to get six hockey games a day. We haven't had any hockey games in about 120 days, and we're about three weeks away from getting six a day in the NHL playoffs and the fight for Lord Stanley's Cup underway, which is uh, coming very quickly. Flyers will be in camp coming up on Monday pending the ratification of the new CBA and return to play protocols, which everyone anticipates. So we're getting closer and closer to that as well. So a lot going on around the National Hockey League. Now you get to hear my conversation with Flyers assistant coach Ian LaPerriere. He played many years in the National Hockey League, played 1,083 games, played it in a way that was very honest. Here's my conversation with Flyers assistant coach, the veteran of 1,083 NHL games, Ian LaPerriere. Lappy, how you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Um, man, I, I was looking up your numbers, by the way, and it's hard to believe, but it's been a decade since you've played in the NHL. Does it feel like a decade? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't feel like a decade. I don't <laughs> think, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're right. It's 10 years. Time flies. It's great. I've been, we've been here in fairly for 11 years. That's, that's just, uh, mind boggling for us. But, uh, you know, you're, when you're having fun, the time flies by, I guess, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't believe it's been a decade since you played this game. You played over a thousand games in a league, 1,083. I, I want to take you back. Cause we've all been watching old games. Um, and I was watching the game, Brett Hall's first four-goal game the other night was on an HL network, and you were on that team. Okay. By the way, you're giving it to Grimson in that game. Careful. <laughs> right? I, I did what? You, you cross-checked Grimson right in the face. Oh, uh, did I? The Grim uh, Reaper. Did, I did that. Huh? You were young. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I was young, and I played with him later in my career. Great man, great, great uh, teammate. I love the guy, but I don't remember doing that. See, when you had a bunch of concussion, that's a good thing. You forget about stuff like that. <laughs> you remember the good, but forget the bad, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, and really, in your first year where you got a decent amount of NHL time was 94-95 uh, with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Um, you scored 13 goals. You had 27 uh, points that year and a 24.5% shooting percentage. Meg, could goalies not just not adjust to your release that early? I mean, 24.5 is insane My release number. was so slow. <laughs> it was so slow that they could adjust. It was a shorter year. It was uh, We only played 36 games that year. It was a lockout year. And uh, I don't know. Everything was a, was a fun year, actually. It was uh, my first full year. I played a game the year before as a 19-year-old, but that was really my first, uh, if you want to call it a season. It was just, um, yeah, it was was a was a fun year you know when you get 26 points and uh and uh, 36 games or something like that it's uh it's a lot of fun i didn't have to be as physical i was physical but i didn't have to fight as much i was trying to do a little bit more uh, what i did in junior offensively but uh i figured out that everybody uh, you know it's a tough way to uh to play in the nhl you know to to score every night or to get points every night and uh to find a different role um, when you when you jump into the league and you played in Drummondville, what was that biggest? You know, in, in the mid '90s, it was a really big physical game. You were a physical player, um, coming from playing uh, in junior to playing with uh, the best players in the world that are, are men. Now, you mentioned you came in at 19, that you got that one game in. But what was that jump like for you? Well, it's a it's a big jump, you know. Like you play junior, you do pretty much like every kid. Like the kids we have here, they were all good junior players. So was I. So was everybody else. But the biggest thing, and I think, and um, I think it was my biggest quality. You know, I kind of looked around and see, okay, what can I do that uh, I'm the guy next to me is not willing to do, and you know, have a better chance to have a longer career. You know, and I think the guys that realize that quick in their career or right away. Uh, you know, they, they 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 make it and not only make it, they stick around because they're willing to do stuff that other guys are not willing to do. And sometimes we see kids now, they come up and they want to be the player they were in junior. Well, guess what? Some guys can, a lot of guys can, but there's a lot of guys that can't. You know, they need they just need to find a, a different chair, I like to say, a different role. And uh, I think was uh, that's why I played so long because I was willing to do something else. Is it because your second to last year in junior in 60 games, you had 140 points and your last year in 62, you had 113. Is it hard going from being such a prolific scorer to carving out a role in the NHL? Because I, I would think, you know, when you have such great success and you played in the queue, I mean, you're playing, you're not playing in some Schlepper league here. Uh, you're playing in the yeah. queue for Drummondville and, and you're putting up buckets of points. Is that hard to kind of wrap your head around initially? Yeah, it is. But again, like, you know, we're, you need to be smart enough and look around and see like the Brett Hall of this world, the Brendan Chenner of this world, the Craig Johnny, all those great offensive players I was playing with. And I knew that, okay, I can't really do what they're doing. And But I always knew I had the physical part of my game, even in junior, like I was you know, finishing check, you know, that's my dad put that in me as a young age. He's like, you know, you control what you can control. And there's one thing you can control there. So you finish your check, finish, you know, every time you're out there, finish your, your check. And that's what I did. And, um, I knew that, uh, if you do that, the NHL level, or even in junior level, uh, you're going to have to back it up, you know, because if you, you're physical and you crush guys, somebody's going to, especially in that era in the nineties, 
somebody is going to come after you. And uh, I, I knew I was willing to do that. You know, it, it wasn't something that uh, I planned, but I knew if I was going to be physical, uh, fighting would be part of it. And uh, it kind of trickled down. And at one point, when you get away from getting points or you're a more physical player, the coaches kind of realize that and uh, your role diminish a little bit or it's a different role and that's pretty much what happened with me and uh, I don't have any regret because I'll be honest I don't think and I know I don't no, I don't think I know I could have been I could not been the, the the offensive player I was in junior and recognizing that and the things that you did on the ice so many of those little things but very important go a long way on the bench go a long way in the locker room do you draw on that now as an assistant coach in the NHL I mean, on your staff, you've got a lot of experience here with Lane Vigneault and obviously Mike Yo and Michelle Terry and all head coaches. And you're the guy that's played the most amount of games in the National Hockey League at over 1,000. And all things considered, you didn't play that long ago. It's not like you played in the 80s. Um, do you draw on that and try and connecting with players and help uh, teaching them the, the, the little things in the game that make such a big difference? Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that uh, – and also I, I put myself in their shoes when I talk to them. You know, I think there's a respect factor because it's not only something I saw on video, it's something I did for a long time. And I think uh, I got the respect from the players in that regard. And, and that's, let's be honest, that's that's why I'm still here. That's why I was here with the other coaches is because I played for a long time and I can connect with players. And I think uh, all the head coaches that kept me on board uh, uh, appreciate that, I guess. You know, I'm, I don't want to speak for them, but, I you know, like everybody else here, you're wondering if you know when I when they when Av kept me on board. You're like, is he going to keep me on board? And he did. And uh, looking back, I, I know why he did. It's because I get that relationship with the players, and you know, I'm I'm a player at heart, and I'm, I'm always going to be that. And I think that's what uh, head coach wants on his staff, and that's why I'm still I'm still around. Yeah, and you have that connection to players. What, what's this year been like for you? You mentioned you were here with a couple of other coaches, uh, most recently yeah. with Hack, and then obviously with Craig Berube and going on back. Uh, through, through the years, but what's it been like coaching with Elaine Vigneault and, and, and the way he operates? Because uh, it's really impressive. Yeah, it is. It's impressive. He's well prepared. And you know what? Uh, I said that many times. You know, it goes back to last summer the way he prepared uh, through the system. We went through every player, we went through every system. What should we play? And, you know, he delegated a lot. You know, he's, uh, if anything, I'm doing a lot more than I did with the other coaches. You know, uh, you know, system-wise and practice-wise and a lot of stuff that I didn't do and a lot of, um, not curveball, but stuff that I didn't know how to do it, you know, uh, computer-wise and everything, but it kind of put me in a, an awkward position, but it kind of, uh, you know, like it, it gave me, like, um, how can I say that? Like, not an awkward position, more like a uncomfortable position and I had to battle through it just to make sure I was doing the, the job he wanted me to do. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it makes me a better coach. Yeah, and, you know, just as a player, too, they want to put you in an uncomfortable position because <laughs> that, that's when you get the most out of yourself. Uh, Lappy, um, you know, I, I've talked about this on the podcast many times about the transparency with which the league has conducted this business of the pandemic and, and not only their desire to come back, but the lengths they were willing to go, working so well with the NHLPA, and the league and the PA, uh, have an acrimonious past, but in this very unprecedented situation, they came together in a way that maybe a lot of us thought they never could. Um, just, just kind of the vibe around the coaching staff, the league, the players, and everybody that you've spoken with, it, it's got to be at a, at a really good place for the game right now with labor certainty for the next six years to boot. 
Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. And, you know, I've been through lockouts and strikes and stuff that are no fun, but I had a feeling and, you know, listening to, to both sides from the players and uh, friends in the, on the other side, like um, business, like, you know, the like coaches, GM, assistant GM and everything. Mm-hmm. And those guys, everybody, right from the get-go, I felt that uh, everybody want to make sure that the CBA was fair for both sides. And I look at the details uh, yesterday and uh, – um, you know, I think the players are, you know, they did uh, they did pretty good, and so is the owners. And it's, uh, at the end of the day, you know what? You don't want to make those guys mad because they're billionaires. And I, that's why I, I learned from my lockouts I've been through and everything. If you want to try to, um, you know, make them mad or you, you want to be uh, not a good guy towards them, at the end of the day, you're going to lose. And I think like uh, Donald Fair and uh, Batman, Right from the get-go, they work together instead of uh, trying to steal stuff from the other guy, and that's why they they end up with a pretty good deal for both sides. Yeah, when you go into a negotiation and, hey, let's be fair to both sides, let's share the pain that's coming with this and and move the game forward ultimately with labor certainty, that's a great thing. Um, What's it been like, uh, you know, kind of, you're going to start training camp by all uh, pending ratification uh, coming up on Monday. Um, How much are you chomping at the bit to get back out there on the ice with the boys? Uh, you know, I just love what I'm doing, sit, sitting on my couch, not doing anything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're I bored just, out of your I'm, mind. Exci- I'm, ex- I'm excited. Like, you know me, Jason. I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm an active guy and uh, I need to get going. You know, hockey is my, is my life. And, you know, I want to be out there with the boys and help them out, become better players and win. And um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And I know a bunch of the guys are in town right now skating. And they're excited too. It's a matter of uh, doing the right thing to make sure we don't spread that virus in our locker room and everywhere we're at. And uh, everybody's going to have to be smart. And uh, and it's going to be it's going to be a pro- process. You know, during those two weeks that we'll be here for camp, we're going to have to uh, be smart about what we're doing away from the rink. And um, hopefully, we'll be able to, to go to Toronto and uh, be in the hub city. I I really do feel like when we get there, it's going to be. Um, so tight like from the league and everything we'll get tested every day and which we're pretty we're tested three times a week here but when we're over there i think it's going to be tested every day and it's going to help make sure the virus doesn't come into hub city a small price to pay but let me ask you about the actual test because you you mentioned that you got it three times a week sticking that q-tip up your nose and like to the well that's the thing we 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 did that once and we're using the other one we're doing there's a spit test that we use oh and that yeah, that one's easy. But you know what, Jason? If it's a small price to pay, you just yeah. say it. I would do the other one every day if we need to. Just to. And for my own sake, like, you know, I don't want to bring that home. I don't want to bring that to my family if I have it. If I have it, I want to know and I'll deal with it personally. I'll go hide myself somewhere and make sure my kids and my wife doesn't have it. And uh, that's why, like, if they, they switch and they say, we'll do the nose one, I'll do it in a heartbeat. How, how was the nose one? It's not bad. It's a little. Trust me, my nose been through way worse. <laughs> yes, it has. I don't know if you noticed, but my nose been through way worse. It's over by your ear now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? They removed it a little bit. They moved it back towards the middle a little bit. You know, it's not as bad. It, it was. It was worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. It's funny when uh, when you Google Ian Leperrier, uh, the second thing that comes up after just your name spelled correctly is Ian Leperrier face. <laughs> that, that's oh, a, yeah, well, that's a face that uh, played a thousand eighty three games and played it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a phase that only uh, his mom likes, you know, like uh, like she always said, I wasn't born like that. I'm like, sorry, mom. I, yeah. uh, I had a job to do. 
Uh, well, and you had hair too, uh, I noticed as well, which was- Yeah, uh, I did. <laughs> so did I, <laughs> but no longer. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, let, let me ask you, because like I said, you're not that far removed from playing, even just a decade ago. Um, what's the key for players to be able to come back, capture a couple of things, confidence, get their game back to a high level, get the, the hands in concert with the brain and the feet and all of that. What's going to be the key uh, through these optional skates they've been going through in phase two and then in training camp coming up starting Monday? Well, I, I think like, you know, you hope that your players are professional and they took care of themselves. You know, I know it was a long time off and, you know, but they kind of, everybody was hoping that we'll come back and hopefully the guys took care of themselves. And I know it was hard you know, with the gym clothes and everything, but I always go back to you. If I have, you know, at my house, I do have everything I can, I have, you know, I need to work out. And hopefully, you know, with um, being professional like the guys are today, hopefully they have a kind of, some kind of, set up at home to to make sure they stay in some kind of shape and you know next week what we're going to do it's you know it's something that like we do in every, every training camp we're going to build up we're going to start a little bit slower and make sure like you know nobody gets sore groins like you usually have in training camp and and with today technology you know there's um the catapult we use you know you have the you can you can see how much energy that the guys spend on the ice you know during practices and and we're going to build our practice with uh with the catapult and uh, it's it's all about working smart you know the game is different than when i started you know it was more like when when i played it was more like uh, you go all out and uh, you don't you don't care about the science but uh, in today's game it's totally different it's a different animal and uh, that's uh, that's all we're going to deal with how important is it for you guys in your practice plans to come up with stuff that simulates games as best as possible a lot of five on five game situations not only for the players but for yeah. your goaltenders to be in those familiar surroundings and threats like you would see in a game yeah that's that's part of the plan you know like first couple of days you go with more like flow drills and get the guys feeling the puck again and feeling each other like you know more like you know uh, uh, middle drive uh, two-on-one stuff that you see in a game and you know a couple of days into training camp we're going to mix everybody and play you know go with uh, special teams and uh, uh, like you said for the goalies read and even for the fours indie you know how to react and bring that uh, you know the, the muscle memory back from that and after that you can build up to scrimmages and play short scrimmages but you have to again you have to deal with the loads you have to deal with injuries you have to deal with all of that and it's going to be so short that um, we're, gonna, we're all going to have to be uh, sharp and and uh, so is our you know medical staff and our trainers like uh, strength conditioning guys it's uh, we're all going to have to work as one and make sure uh, we do we put the best uh, plan together to make sure we're ready when we go to Toronto. Uh, the the weirdness of playing in front of no fans is going to be maybe in warm up it may be the most stark reminder when you guys go out uh, and the players warm up with nobody in the building uh, and when the game starts and you don't have the the ebbs and flows of crowd as well uh, how, how long does that last till that kind of is not weird anymore it's just okay the game's played on the 200 by 85 <laughs> anyway you know um, you try and block that out when during the flow of the game. It's during stoppages and those things where you can let it affect you positively or negatively. Uh, but is that just a couple of games? Is that a period that you kind of just go, okay, it is what it is? I don't think anybody knows, Jace. Like, I mean, like, uh, I've never been through it, and I don't think anybody has, you know, other than some teams in the league that don't have any fans at their games. But uh, Florida? For another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it. But um, <laughs> I think it's going to be, uh, the, you know, it's. I think guys are going to have to focus on the ultimate goal. You know, it's to win. And uh, I, and my, and 
in my book, I think it's probably going to be one of the hardest cups to win because of everything, because of, you know, no fans, because of everybody's going to come back healthy. You know, think about it. There's a bunch of guys that were out for a year, but because of this situation, they'll be able to play and everybody's going to have their best team out there and no, you know, nobody's going to be banged up from that 82 game season. Yes, it might be a little bit, um, you know, timings might be a little bit off from, you know, the, the first couple games or so, but I think the hockey's gonna, the game itself is going to be a really good hockey, but uh, it's going to going to be the team who's more focused on the ultimate goal which is the Stanley Cup who's going to you know address these you know it's going to be easier for them to address to the the weird situation we're going to have to deal with. Um, Some things can galvanize a team and obviously you just mentioned that this is going to be a very difficult cup to win being in a hub city and uh, all the different elements of going through a pandemic and all while trying to win the hardest trophy in sports to win the Stanley Cup Um, but but some things can galvanize a team and the Flyers have been through it this year. Let me ask you what your reaction was when you saw Oscar Lindblom last week ring that bell to signify the end of his treatments for Ewing sarcoma and uh, just kind of what that can do for this team as well. Because, I mean, when he came out of the lineup from a hockey standpoint, he was your leading scorer. Um, and obviously he's just such a likable guy and has handled this whole situation with such class and dignity. Uh, to see him ring that bell, get out there on the ice about a week and a half, two weeks ago as well, uh, what can that do for the group playing for Oscar? I think it's he's uh, he's going to do for a group that what he did during the year, you know, with guys who will fall back on him and just think about what he's going through and kind of bring extra motivation to our team. And this right now he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be around. Like he's he's skating, like he he skated today actually this morning, which was great to see him out there. And uh, just to, I'm not sure who knows. I don't know. I'm I'm not a doctor, but I don't know if he'll be able to be in the bubble. I don't know if he won't be able to win the bubble. I don't know. But just the fact that he'll be around during the two weeks that we'll be here, uh, it's going to be huge. Just to to know and to see what he went through, and and he's so passionate about the sport and his teammates. And he, even during treatments, he was skating once in a while. And now treatments are over. He's going to be skating a little bit more. And I think, you know, I know as an ex-player, like when you see a guy going through that and just the passion of the game, he still want to be on the ice. It just can it's only can be positive for a team for sure. Yeah, and it's certainly a lesson for for everybody that it's, anything can be taken from you at the drop of a dime. And to see the way he's handled this and, you know, to yeah. see him skating and stuff is just, it's, it's so uplifting in a year in 2020 that frankly, we could just throw in the garbage pail and, and pitch to the trash. But uh, that, that was a great thing to see. Uh, let me ask you about Scott Lawton because he, he wins the Yannick Dupre class guy award. Um, this is a player, you know, drafted in the first round Lappy comes into the league, uh, has a hard time identifying his role, then goes and basically spends an entire year with the, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and comes back and knows his role in the NHL and has handled it, again, like Oscar, with such dignity and, and, and the way the detail of his game and, and the things that he does and, and the way he conducts himself on and off the ice. Winning that Class Guy Award, certainly a very worthy recipient, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's a great kid. He's the he's the guy I know the most. Like I've I've watched him in, when I was uh, director of player personnel there, um, uh, development. Sorry, I that's the kid I went to watch in Oshawa the most. And we go back to where we we're just talking about, like the adjustment, the willingness, the you know, like realizing that uh, okay, yeah, I'm not a goal scorer in 
and yeah, I can't be a goal scorer in the NHL like I was in junior. Okay, what's my chair? And I think it took Scotty a little bit longer for him to realize that. You know, he was a defensive player in junior. It was like, you know, putting numbers up. He was the go-to guy everywhere he was. Like, you know, the team kind of Oshawa, like he was the guy. You come to the NHL, well, you know what? You might not be the guy. You just need to realize what you can do to stick around and help this team win and also have a longer career. And, you know, some guys it takes a little bit longer, but thank thank God that Scotty figured it out. You know, he he did play as an 18 or 19-year-old with us, and the next year he had to go back for a full year in, in, um, in the American League. And, you know, it made him realize that, okay, maybe I won't score 40 a year like I did in junior, but if I can be a good penalty killer, a good forechecker, a good teammate, that might give me a chance to uh, to stick around and stick around for a long time. And I think it took him a little bit longer to realize that. But, you know, he's such a, he's a good kid. I like him a lot. He's just a, that kid that took him a little bit more time to realize that. Um, one of the other guys I want to ask you about, I had Matt Niskin on about a week and a half ago, um, and he's the only guy on your team that has won a cup, won it back in 2017 uh-huh. with the Caps. He said the conversation with younger players and his teammates about what it takes to, to be a Stanley Cup champion started in late February, March. Uh, having that experience on your roster from such an important player, uh, it, it can pay big dividends because he's a guy that, that talks the talk, walk the walk, won a cup, and is a big part of yeah. your team moving forward. Yeah, he's been a big, uh, huge addition to our team. I'll be honest. Like you know, five on five, five on four, four on five. Like he's been, he's been the glue to what we were missing. Like an older guy that can help our younger guys, especially on D, become you know to to bring that maturity to another level. And that's what Niski is. He just uh, goes by his business every day. And I said that before. Like if you, we get a couple of drills that we do during the year that we pretty much do every week and. He never cheats. Like, you know, your drills that you need to leave on the whistle, he does He does to a T what a coach wants you to do. And uh, for me, it's, it's that's leadership. It's little things, but he doesn't cheat. You don't cheat in practice. You don't cheat in game. And I notice it, and I bet I know for a fact that the guys in the room notice it too. Like, they know that he doesn't cut corners. He doesn't cheat. And more guys like that, you get a better chance to win. But when, when we, you have a guy that does everything the right way, way on and off the ice and get rewarded by winning the cup it just can uh, you know trigger down to your locker room and uh, that's why like we were having a really good season and our decor were having a half a season and you know like everybody just follow that and for me that's leadership if you don't need to go in the room break sticks and start screaming at the you know they don't do that anymore but in my days guys used to do that but when they go on the ice they cheat you know they they, they cut corners well, Niski's not that guy. He won't won't say much in the room. Will say the right thing at the right time. But when he goes on the ice, he never takes a day off. Never cuts corners. And you know, you need a guy like that. And when the guy's a winner, it goes a long way. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you're only cheating yourself by doing that. Number one. And yeah, I, I've been doing this long enough. I remember interviewing you in intermissions. And yeah, there may have been some broken sticks in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, that's, that was a different uh, different era, I guess. Sticks cost too much now to just go shattering sticks, man. There's like 300 bucks. Yeah, for I don't think they care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I see the paychecks. You're yeah. right about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lappy, last thing for you. Uh, as you guys get ready to, uh, to, to regroup here uh, and get training camp underway as part of phase three, and then at the end of the month, uh, head to your hub city and get game started in early August, uh, you guys feel pretty, uh, pretty sluggish, right? You guys feel good 
about the damage that you can do in this very unique circumstance. Confidence is, is probably pretty high with the group, isn't it? Yeah, it's confidence high. You know, like, you know, we the, the proves in the pudding, guys notice what we did all year and the way we played and uh, what it takes to have success with AV as a as the leader of the group and uh, and they they believe in that and that's one thing we won't need to sell them the system or sell them the way uh, the staff's coaching because they know you know they know we had success and we just need to get back at it and and you know what it's uh, it's exciting and hopefully you know it's uh, we have older guys on our team that've been to, they've been like you know G and Voracek and all those guys have been talking they want to win they want to win they want to win well that's your chance right now it's a tournament it's going to be a a battle for two months when you go all the way and hopefully we'll be one of those two teams that will be um will be there at the end of the day yeah and by, and battle it out for uh, a very unique stanley cup it'll be uh, one of the hardest ones ever to win uh, they're all hard to win but this one uh, very unique circumstances lappy as always man i love talking to you i appreciate you coming on um and uh best of luck uh with you and your family everybody stay healthy and uh we're hoping for a long run out of the group and uh you know we'll all be watching and, and uh rooting it on Thanks, my man. I can't wait to see you in person. <laughs> we'll, we'll elbow each other. No more handshake. That drives me nuts, but it's okay. Right, we'll elbow each other. <laughs> Boy, nobody has said that to me during the, during the pause. I can't wait to see you in person. <laughs> well, there's a, see? See? You got it right we'll always time for first. <laughs> All right. Thanks, brother. All right, my man. Have a good day. Special thanks to Ian LaPerriere for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Always great to talk to him and another one of those guys that played in this league for so long and did all the little things right, the sacrifices that he made uh, as a player to be a successful NHL player and last over a 1,000 games in the league. And great to hear that he kind of uses that as an element in his coaching. Uh, It's something certainly players can identify with. He's not asking any player to do anything that he didn't do or wasn't willing to do as a player. And that oftentimes goes a long way uh, to reaching players and getting that respect uh, that you need as an, as an assistant coach in the National Hockey League. And the other part, too, uh, with Ian LaPerriere, uh, just, just one of the really good guys. And the sacrifices he made on the ice and the way he conducted himself off it, certainly very deserving. Uh, congrats, too. You heard us mention in there as well. Scott Lawton picks up the Yannick Dupre Class Guy Award, which is great news and uh, very deserving. So great to see uh, Scott Lawton win that award. Also coming up, they'll have the Most Improved Player Award coming up on this day, uh, a little later this afternoon. So keep an eye on uh, the Philadelphia Flyers Twitter handle. That's where they'll be announcing that. So uh, that'll be coming up as well. So that's going to do it for this episode of Flyers Daily, which is brought to you by Penn Medicine, the official healthcare system of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center. Give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. Matter of fact, on tomorrow's episode, Scott Lawton will join us to talk about that Yannick Dupre win and much more as Coaches Week continues. We'll talk to Michelle Terrian, also Kim Dillabaugh, and eventually round our way out to the head coach, Elaine Vigneault. So everybody, thanks for listening. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Flyers Daily.